I'm excited this morning because we are in our fifth and final week of our Next Gen series. And, and uh, I don't know about you, but I, I know that for me personally, this has been a, a very encouraging, but even above that, a very challenging uh, series. And so I don't know how God has been using it in your life. I have heard great things about how God is using this series to uh, remind us of the mandate that we have to pass on our faith to our children and disciple that next generation. And uh, it has been a sobering reminder for me uh, to do what I have said every week. You've heard me say this phrase, and I hope it'll stick with you. It has been a sobering reminder for me that I am to transmit the treasures of God to my children because I'm going to pass something on to them. I am going to transmit what I treasure, so I might as well treasure what matters most. And that's been one of the things that has been so challenging for me is to honestly see the areas where I haven't done that well. And I need to grow in my, uh, both my relationship with the Lord and in my intentionality of discipling uh, my children. And uh, we've spent most of our time through this series in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, some of the most important verses in all of the Bible are there in Deuteronomy 6. Right there in verse 4, we have what's known as the Shema, which means if you've been here for four weeks, you should be able to tell me Shema means what? means here. That's right. All right. The four of you that were listening in class, really well done. Uh, it means here, right? Moses says in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And these are some of the treasures he is telling the children of Israel to transmit to their children. And so what we see and what we've looked at in these verses of Deuteronomy 6 is uh, that the Lord is one. There is one God. He is one within himself. And we are to love this one Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. Moses goes on to tell them another treasure, which is you, we should take the laws from this one Lord and we should bind them on our hands and place them as, uh, between our eyes and put them over our homes. And ultimately he's saying God's word, the law from this God should control your hands and consume your minds and cover your home. And he goes on to say, we do this, we obey this word, not because he, just because he told us so. You remember last week we talked about how he's not a because I said so father, but rather we do this because of what he has done. And what we saw in Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 20 last week, is the beautiful redemption that God did for the children of Israel when he rescued them out of Egypt from 400 years of slavery and brought them into the promised land. And here Moses stands with them at the gate, the threshold of crossing into the promised land. And he says, here's the treasure you need to take in there with you and give to your children that there is one God. They need to love him first and love him most. And they need to obey his word. Why? Because their highest satisfaction in this life will be found in their obedience to the laws of God. Moses said, that's what I want you to take into the promised land. And that's what we've looked at over these last few weeks, that it isn't about what just, we, we don't do this just because he said so, but because of what he has done for us. And what has he done? What has he done? What has he done that should inspire such a love and obedience from us? What has he done that should move us to love him first and love him most and obey his word above all 
other things? And I think the answer to that question is found in one word, and that word is generosity. Generosity. The generosity of God. We love Him and we obey Him because He has been generous to us. He has generously given to us that which, listen, we could never earn, we could not afford, we were we were hopeless to possess that we did not deserve, but that thing that we desperately needed above all other things. And what is that? It is this, reconciliation to God. That is what we needed most, but had no hope of attaining. And the generosity of God is that he has, in Christ, reconciled us to God. We are completely dependent upon God for this reconciliation. And that's something I want us to look at this morning. We follow the law of God. We follow the word of God because of what he has done. And what has he done? He has been generous toward us. And in that generosity, it is expressed in the work of Jesus Christ, who through the cross has reconciled us to God. And I want us to look at this idea of the inexplicable generosity of God toward us through the reconciliation of the cross this morning. So grab your Bible, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to pick it up in verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. God's Word says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Believer, I want you to hear me say this. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are new. Who in here is thankful they are not who they once were? Right? Bless the Lord. I am new. Now, I've been made new. He said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What does that mean? It means the old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, because all of that is true, because we've been made new and the old has passed away and the new has come and our trespasses aren't counted against us, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. And we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And for our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. God, I ask that, uh, first, Lord, I just thank you for your word. Thank you for the true and living word, God, that gives life, that, uh, that refines us and searches our hearts for the things that need to change or be replaced or, or grown and knows just how to nourish our souls and Lord, we want to put ourselves before you and at the mercy of your word and say we need that today. We need the refining work of the living word. So God, would you do that? Would you speak to your people through your word? I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So, what is this idea of reconciliation? You know, I think that um, we often, in our English, use of this word in the English language, words are hard. Uh, I should probably start that sentence again, but I'm just going to move on like it didn't happen. Uh, In our use of this word, reconciliation, it tends to have uh, two meanings, right? We use it in kind of two ways, one being in relationships. So, if you have a falling out with a friend or a husband and wife, you know, get into a fight or there's strife and there's some separation and they come back together or the friendship is restored, we say they have been reconciled to one another. That's one of the ways we use this word, through being reconciled, being restored in relationship. Another way we use this word, though, has to do with like accounting in business. If you're a business owner or a manager or you've ever had to balance a checkbook, you know the process of having to go through and see what all has come in, what all has gone out, what still needs to go out, what is still owed to you, what you should anticipate for coming. That's called reconciling your books. It's going through this process of making sure your finances are in order and that everything is accounted for and you can zero out the books. And what I want us to notice this morning and to think through this morning with this idea of reconciliation is this, that in the gospel, it's not an either or with those definitions, but rather it is a both and. What do I mean? I mean this, that the gospel absolutely is absolutely about restoring our relationship to God. And it does so by absolutely dealing with the debt we owed because of our sin. That. That's what makes this word so beautiful, so powerful. This is, this is the gospel. That in Christ, we are reconciled to God. Because through Christ, our sin debt has been reconciled. I'm going to say that again. The gospel is this. That in Christ, we are reconciled to God, meaning restored. Because through Christ, our sin debt that we owe has been reconciled. It has been dealt with. It has been accounted for. It has been zeroed out. That is the beauty of the gospel. That in Christ Jesus, we are reconciled both in relationship, but we are reconciled in relationship because he has reconciled the debt that we owed. Amen? Isn't that good news? So what I want us to see this morning is the nature and the power of this reconciliation that we have and the mandate that we have to then pass that on to our children. And there are three things I want you to see. I'm going to tell you all three of them right now. Here's the first one. I want you to see that reconciliation is from God, that reconciliation then is through Christ, and then that reconciliation is our mission. That's the three things I want you to see, that it's from God through Christ and that it is our mission. Let's look at that first one. Reconciliation is from God. Look again at verse 17 and the very first part of 18. Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God. All of this is from God. That old passing away, that new coming, Paul says this is from God. Reconciliation to God began with God. He is the first cause. He is the driving force. It is from him, which is to say this, 
Reconciliation to God did not begin in the heart of man. It began in the heart of God. And it comes to man only at God's initiative. Meaning that apart from God giving us reconciliation, we have no hope to be reconciled to him. It is from God. Why is it important that we understand this? Why does it matter that we recognize reconciliation is from God? I think there's two reasons. Here's the first one. Because reconciliation coming from God demonstrates God's desire for relationship with us. Did you know that God desires relationship with you? Now think about that for just a moment. I don't mean that God just desires to know you a little bit or to be an acquaintance of yours. I mean, he desires to be an intimate meaningful, every day, moment by moment, as you go and live your life, you do so in relationship with Him. And that relationship that He desires is evidenced for us in Him reconciling, in Him being the first one to make the move to reconcile us back to Himself. You know, when Carrie and I, uh, we first met, we just struck up a friendship. We just had this real easy friendship, and we enjoyed hanging out and, and uh, uh, just, just hanging out. We just enjoyed really being friends. And, but there was a time where that relationship began to get a little more serious, and, and I began to think, you know, I kind of like this girl, you know? And listen, I'll tell you, she thought I was wicked hot day one, and she'll lie if that ain't it. So I promise you, that's true. That's real. That's 100% real. And I began to think, man, I may really, really like this lady. Like, like, I can see this not just being buddies. And so I began to take initiative, and we would go out on a date, and, and I began to use language like boyfriend and girlfriend. And, and I was the first one to tell her that I loved her. Why? Because I desired a relationship with her. I desire to know her and have a relationship with her. Jeremiah 9.24 says this, But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understand and knows me. God wants us to know him and to be known by him. That's what this relationship is for, and it is why you were created. We are created to know God and in knowing him to live in relationship with him. And he desired this relationship so much, listen, that he made the first move to initiate doing away with what separated us from him. Reconciliation is from God. And the fact that it comes from him is a demonstration or, or it demonstrates God's desire for relationship with us. Here's the second thing I think we see. Reconciliation coming from God demonstrates our desperate need. For him, our desperate need for him. What do I mean by that? I mean that while God desires relationship with us, there is a problem. It is a problem that we all have. It's a three-letter word, and what is that? Sin. Sin is the problem. Yes, God desires relationship with us, but we have a sin issue. We have an issue that has separated us from God, our sinful choices and our rebellion against God. And listen, in our culture, 
We've built this thing where we want to minimize what sin is. We like to call it mistakes or little mess-ups, but I don't want to diminish for you what sin is. Sin is nothing less than open rebellion against God himself. That's what sin is. It is open rebellion against God. It is the choosing of me over him, my desires over his plan, my wants over what he says is best. That is sin, and it grieves the heart of God. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says this, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you. There is an effect of sin that we must reckon with. Sin is not some little mistake. Sin is is an open rebellion. It is a warring against the holiness and the righteousness of God. And listen, we all have that disease and there's nothing you and I in our own power can do about it, which is why it is incredibly important and unbelievably meaningful that reconciliation comes from God. Because listen, you can't reconcile yourself. You can't. You can't reconcile yourself to God. And everywhere in this world where you see people living their lives and they're filling their life with more stuff, trying to fill this void, or more people are looking for affirmation, or they need power or position or some measure of popularity or prestige or possession, they see all this and they need that because that's the thing that's filling the void that God is designed to fill or that God created to fill for us. Which means what? There isn't enough stuff you can do or have. There isn't a position high enough. There isn't a place stable enough to bring you satisfaction and to reconcile you to God. Why? Because we can't reconcile ourselves to God. It is why it is incredibly important that we understand reconciliation is from God, and it demonstrates his desire for a relationship with us. Here's the second thing I think we see. Reconciliation is through Christ. It's through Christ. Look again at verse 18 and the first part of verse 19. Paul says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against us. Reconciliation to God comes through Christ. It is the person and work of Jesus Christ that restores us to God. The question is, why was Christ necessary? Why was Christ necessary? Again, the answer is that Three-letter word, sin, because of our rebellion against God, the choosing of ourselves over Him and how it has separated us from God and broken our relationship with Him. And listen, because God is holy, do you believe that? He's holy. Because God is holy, He cannot be reconciled to sin. 
Because God is holy, he cannot be reconciled to unholiness. So, what, is, what does God do? Does, does he just leave us to, to, for us to get what we deserve? And what is that? Romans 6.23 says what? The wages of sin is what? Death. Does he just leave us to that end? No. No. Thanks be to God, right? He sends a rescue. He sends a reconciler. He sends us Jesus. And God's word teaches us that while we were in, while we were actively in this open rebellion toward him, he acted in love toward us. Romans 5, 8 says that while we were what? Still, still actively warring against him, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Parents, let me ask you, uh, have you ever felt like your, your children were in open rebellion against you? <laughs> right? Just open rebellion. Like what in the world are they doing? And have you ever been in a position where you thought, this, this child is in open rebellion against me, and you had to act in love toward them, right? You couldn't do the thing you wanted to do because the law prohibits it. You know what I'm saying? And so, but <laughs> consider that moment, consider that season when you, you felt that way and you had to act in love. Now, I want you to reckon every human that has ever lived and will ever live until Jesus returns to this earth to take us home. And I want you to reckon every sin every human commits ever. And that is the war. That's the rebellion God overcame for us and demonstrated his love for us in that. God put in the cross, God put the full measure, the full measure of his disgust and his wrath and his judgment for sin on Jesus. That's, that just ought to blow our minds. In the cross of Christ, God put the full measure of his disgust for my sin and his wrath against my sin and his judgment of my sin. He put that on Jesus. So how does that then reconcile me to God? How did that pay the debt? If you look at 2 Corinthians 5.21, the last verse we read, it says, For our sake he made him to be sin, that's Jesus, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now when it says he made him to be sin, it doesn't mean he made him sinful. It doesn't mean he made him commit a sin. It means he made him to become sin. He become, he became our rebellion. He became our wickedness. He became our selfishness and our conceitedness. He became our covetousness. He became our jealousy. He became our lust. He became our lies. He became all of that, and he embraced the disgust and the grieving that it does to the heart of God, which is to say this, he became what separated us from God so that he could become what reconciles us back to him. That's what he did for us. Christ became what separated us from God so that he could become what reconciles us back to God. Oh, thank you, Lord. 
This is why reconciliation to God comes only through Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, not one, not one single person will get to the Father unless they come through me. Why? Because reconciliation is through me. It is, it is not about your good works. It's not about your good intentions. Reconciliation to God comes through Jesus. Here's the third thing I want you to see about this idea of reconciliation. And that is that it is our mission. Reconciliation is our mission. Look again, verse 18 uh, through 20. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself and not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. You see that? Paul makes clear that reconciliation is our mission. He says God gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that he has entrusted to us the message uh, of reconciliation, and that because he has reconciled us, because he has not counted our sins against us, because he has given us the message, we are now ambassadors for Christ. That's how Paul saw himself. Did you know it didn't make any sense at all to Paul? He did not have a category. It made no sense to him that someone could receive this generosity from God, this inexplicable generosity, and be reconciled back to God, that someone could receive that and not live their lives to see others receive it. It, that never would have occurred to him. It never occurred to him that there would be those who would receive this generosity from God and then not live to see it received by others. And I think there's only one of two reasons why that would happen. One is we've never really received it, or two, we've forgotten the treasure that it is. But Paul said, we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. We've been given the message of reconciliation, which means we've been called to do it. We've been equipped to do it. So now we are ambassadors for Christ, which means we carry the standard. We carry the banner. And what's written on that banner is be reconciled to God. That's what Paul's teaching us here. It is our mission. And listen, this mission for us begins at home. It begins at home. That's what we've talked about over the last four or five weeks, isn't it? This mandate that we have to pass our faith on to our children, to see our children live, uh, uh, come to faith in Jesus and live their lives in submission to him. And we can only pass that on to them if it is real in our lives. I want I want, John said, I have no greater joy than knowing that my children are walking with Jesus. Why? Because he knew it was his joy because he knew that, that if they walked with Jesus, they would also have the greatest joy. Because what John wanted for his spiritual children was for them to walk in joy. And it's what I want 
for my daughter and for my sons. I want them to know that the highest joy they will have in this life is found in a relationship with Jesus, that the highest measure of satisfaction and contentment they will ever ever have will have zero to do with what they own and everything to do with who they know is the person and work of Jesus Christ. Well, how are they going to know that? They better see me living it. They better see their dad living that out, that Jesus satisfies me that I am infinitely happy in him. And they need to see that in such a way that they're able to say, nothing compares. Nothing compares in the heart of my father like his relationship to Jesus. That's the mission I have. It begins at home. It begins at home. But listen, then it goes with us everywhere. It goes with us everywhere we go. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 28 in the Great Commission? He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to do all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm going to be with you right to the end of the age. We, We do this at home, but then we take it with us everywhere we go. Why? Because reconciliation is our mission. It is what we have been called to do. So the question is, how do we respond then to this reconciliation? How do we respond to this? It's one of two ways. The first is, you have to receive it. You have to receive the gift, the generosity of God, and be reconciled to him through Jesus Christ. You have to put your faith in the finished work of the cross. You have to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior and be be born again and be set free from you have from sin. You have to receive this generosity from God. Because the truth is, if you haven't done that until you do that, nothing else matters. Everything apart from that is just your best effort. But you have to receive it. That's the first response. Here's the second response to this, this generosity from God. We have to walk in it. We have to walk in it. Which means what? It means that because we have received generosity, we live generously. It means that because we have received forgiveness, we forgive generously. Because we have received mercy We give mercy generously because we have received grace, this unmerited favor from God. We are graciously generous because we have received forgiveness. We forgive generously because God has generously supplied all of our needs according to his riches and glory. We generously give to supply the needs of others. That because God has generously done a work in my life, I'm going to generously give to be a part of a work he's going to do in somebody else's life. I think it means that because we have generously received the treasures of God, we generously transmit those treasures to others. So, let's... That's the bow around the series. What is Next Gen about? It is about transmitting the treasures of God to the next generation 
How do we do that? We treasure him ourselves. We walk in this beautiful reconciliation that he has generously given to us. And we disciple and we evangelize our children to see them walk in that as well. And then we take this mission and message everywhere we go as ambassadors for Christ. So if this morning you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have not made him the Lord of your life, and your confession would be, I'm just doing everything out of my best effort, then here in a minute we're going to stand and we're going to worship, we're going to start singing, and when we do, I want you to step out of that seat and come down. I want you to step out of that seat and come down. I would love to pray for you and to pray with you and to help you take that step. But maybe your confession would be, the truth is, I have received Jesus as Lord, but I am not walking in that generosity. I don't forgive like I should or extend mercy like I should or extend grace like I should, even though those things have been given to me in abundance. Well, then come and let's pray. Trust me, you'll be in good company because I've been there. I am there. We can pray and ask God to help us. Let's pray, and then we're going to stand, and we're going to worship, and we're going to respond. Lord Jesus, I love you, and I thank you for your word. And I'm praying right now, God, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would move among us, that you would give us courage to step out in obedience um, to what you have called us to do. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's stand. Let's worship together.